Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number four of Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to be reading Revelation 21 verses 2 and 3. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I'll stop reading there. In our last study, we were looking at verse 2 and the language of the holy city, New Jerusalem. And we saw that the Bible tells us that God is holy, and because God is holy, God commands his people, Be ye holy, for he is holy. And then we also saw in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, the law is holy. And the commandment is holy. So, the word of God, the Bible, is holy. It's correctly called the Holy Bible. And as a result of God being holy and his word being holy, that meant that those that had association or identification with God were also holy. And so, Israel of old became the holy people. Jerusalem, historically, the city, Jerusalem, became the holy city. And and so forth. The, the temple was the holy place. And God used that kind of language, or those figures, to identify with the New Testament churches and congregations. And that's why in uh, Matthew 24:15, the Lord In speaking of the time of the Great Tribulation, it comes at the end of the world, a time when Israel is no longer the holy place, and the Jews are no longer the holy people, and the temple is no longer holy, that God speaks of those in Judea when the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place where it should not be. Let those in Judea flee to the mountains." And that is really a clue to us. We we should know from reading the Bible that at the time of the cross, when the veil of the temple was rent in twain, Israel ceased to be the holy people of God, and the temple ceased to be holy and so forth. But the churches were formed in 33 AD, and in the church they had the holy word of God. The oracles of God. Israel were no longer the caretakers of God's word, the holy word. But now God had the church to maintain and care for his word. And uh, also Christ dwelt in the midst of the congregations, making them holy. Just as God in the Old Testament 
dwelt in the temple. And again, making the city holy and the people holy and so forth. Well, now the church had the indwelling um, spirit of God. And the church had the holy word of God. So the church is, through association with God and his word, became holy. The church became the holy place in the New Testament church age and era up until the end of the church age. But then God spoke in Revelation chapter 11 of the holy city being tread underfoot. And again, the abomination in the holy place. And there are similar statements. It is speaking of the time of Satan's loosing when he would enter into the church and take his seat as the man of sin and the Holy Spirit came out of the midst. It's um, the uh, what Daniel calls the placing of the abomination of desolation and the taking away of the daily, the light of the gospel, the Holy Spirit. And there was a transaction made and immediately the churches were no longer holy. But they lost God's presence, although God uses this kind of language that the holy city, because it was the holy city, when it came under assault, was tread underfoot. Now, we read in uh, Revelation 21 too, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down uh, from God out of heaven. And, and that city, that holy city, is made up exclusively of God's elect. That's the holy city we read of in Matthew chapter 27. It says in verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And I've referred to that a few times now. And what did that indicate? It indicated that, remember, that was the Holy of Holies. That's what God called it. And the Ark of the Covenant was kept inside the Holy of Holies, indicating the uh, indwelling presence of God in the temple, in the city Jerusalem, in Israel. And once God rent the veil of the temple. Man didn't do it. God did it. At this point in history, when when Jesus yielded up the ghost on the cross, the divorce of Israel was final, and they ceased to be the holy people. And the uh, temple ceased to be holy. The holy of holies ceased to be the holy of holies once the veil of the temple was rent. And the Jews cease to be the holy people. Well, it goes on to say here in, in uh, Matthew twenty seven fifty one, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were open. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And, of course, 
all kinds of people read this and they um, automatically think Jerusalem, the historical city, and it would make sense, Christ was crucified right outside the city, and it was the holy city due to that identification with the temple and God and his word. But since the veil was rent, we just read in the previous couple of verses, then right away it stopped being the holy city. And so we know when the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, it didn't happen at the cross, it happened uh, Sunday after Christ's resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many, that it's not speaking of historical earthly Jerusalem, but it's speaking of heavenly Jerusalem, the holy city above, the Jerusalem that was forming where God dwelt in heaven as God saved his people, they would become a part of that heavenly city. And that's why it's coming down from God above, we read in Revelation 21, because that's where it was being constructed. All the preparation was made by the Lord Jesus from the foundation of the world, and all through time, God was saving this one and that one, his elect, and the city was being built. And it's the city that God speaks of in Hebrews in chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, verse 16, But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now this is the city that was mentioned a little earlier in this same chapter of Hebrews 11, where it says in verse 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's the heavenly Jerusalem, that Galatians chapter 4 speaks of. Uh, remember, as God speaks of Abraham and his two wives and the sons that come from each, there's Hagar, and, and God says she corresponds to Jerusalem, which is, or Jerusalem uh, on the earth. And then there's Sarah, which relates to Jerusalem above. And God says these things are an allegory because he's opening the veil to reveal some spiritual truth concerning some pictures. There's earthly Jerusalem and heavenly Jerusalem. And in Hebrews 12, it says in verse 22, But you're come unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So there is heavenly Jerusalem. It is the 
a glorious body of believers that have come together through salvation and God has wrought, worked it all. God has uh, prepared the bride. He, he has done the work of saving her. He has built the city. The builder and maker is God. He has created the bride of Christ. He has created a new Jerusalem. And it is all based upon salvation. We read in um, Isaiah 52, verse 1. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. You see, the problem with Jerusalem below is that you could have unsaved people enter into that city, and there there has always been many unsaved people historically in Jerusalem when that was the capital city of the Jews, and and uh, when uh, good kings reigned or even bad kings reigned, there were unsaved inhabitants of the city. The vast majority of people were always unsaved. And then when God used the churches as the figure of Jerusalem throughout the church age, it was the same problem. Growing within the church were wheat and tares. There were saved and unsaved alike. There there was no way of keeping them out. God said, let them grow together until the harvest, and or else if you try to root up the tares before then, you might take up some of the wheat. So he allowed them to grow together. Earthly Jerusalem has always consisted of saved and unsaved alike dwelling together. But heavenly Jerusalem, no, none of the unsaved could find their way there. It, it was a city built upon the true foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a city whose stones were living stones, each one of God's elect, and they were the ones that God built together to form this glorious spiritual city of all those that he would save. In Isaiah 65, God joins together the creation of the new heaven and new earth with Jerusalem. In verse 17, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mine. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Now, God did the same thing in Revelation 21. He creates a new heavens and new earth. Next thing we read of is Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. Is this saying that Jerusalem is the new earth? No. But God is indicating, I've created a new heaven, a new earth, and a new people to inhabit the new earth. 
And so he, he joins them together. Just as he creates a new world, he creates a new creature individually of all those he has saved. And collectively, he has created a new race, a new people that, that are fashioned after the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, and no longer after the first fallen Adam, all those um, that sinned and were not redeemed have died in their sin. They, they have been destroyed. The earth that was corrupted and, and cursed has been destroyed. The heavens that were contaminated through having a corrupt earth have been destroyed. So now... God creates a new heaven, a new earth, a new people. It's an entirely new, glorious, wonderful creation that replaces this creation. All things are made new. And the former will not be remembered nor come into mind. We're not going to sit around in the new heavens, new earth wasting a single second, if we could use a time reference, which I don't think we can in eternity, but just uh, that's something we understand. We're not going to spend the least amount of thought or, or effort on looking back to this cursed world in any way. And if we did, well, what would we remember but sin? Since everything has been affected by sin and and contaminated and perverted by sin, how could we have any memory without remembering sin? And so it necessarily must be removed from all memory, all possible consideration. It must be gone forever, completely destroyed, and the focus of God and the people of God in our new creation will be forward looking. It will be looking into eternity, future to come, and, and not in that which was past. Well, let's go back to Revelation 21. And it says in verse 2, Coming down from God out of heaven, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, prepared as a bride, adorned, for her husband. Now, the the Greek word translated as prepared is Strong's number 2090-2090, and it's also found in Revelation 19 um, in a similar kind of statement. It says in Revelation 19, beginning in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And that language or statement here, his wife has made herself ready. Well, made ready is the same Greek word as prepared. So it, it could read, his wife hath prepared herself. Just as it says here in Revelation 21, 2, that the holy city comes down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride, or made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. It's the same word. Well, it goes on to say in Revelation 19, 
His wife has made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now we spent a good amount of time going over these verses, and we saw that the bride was completed when God saved the last of his elect, and also once God saved the last of his elect, Judgment Day came, and the door of heaven was shut, and Revelation 19 is going to go into some detail describing Judgment Day, and there is the bride, there is the armies of heaven clothed um, also in white on horseback following the Lord Jesus Christ, and and we saw that the bride has made herself ready through salvation as the believers carried forth the word of God to others that were elect and God uh, blessed his word, which saved them. They were added to the bride. And uh, in that process, it could be said the bride made herself ready uh, because God was using his own people to bring the bride together spiritually into this one body of Christ. And in the language here of being arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, God explains the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. It's the righteousness of Christ that God counts for everyone that has become saved. Jesus has paid for their sins. His righteousness becomes their righteousness, and so all are righteous and pure and holy and white, and and that is the glorious bridal gown of all of God's people. Well, again, the, it's the elect who are the bride of Christ are made ready through salvation, and the same picture applies in Revelation chapter 21, where it speaks of being adorned prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And the adorning of the bride is her covering. It is um, her salvation that, that God has adorned her with, that the lamb, her husband, has adorned her with. You know, we find an interesting verse back in Isaiah 61 where God speaks of um, a bride and adornment. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And that's exactly what the um, fine linen, which is the righteousness of saints, is. It's the garments of salvation. So here God is speaking of the same thing. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Again, going back to the statement concerning the bride. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. You see the beautiful picture 
God is painting. Salvation is as a bride which would deck herself with her jewels and, and look very pretty and beautiful on the wedding day. Well, what makes the bride of Christ beautiful in God's sight? It is her adorning clothing, her garments, her righteousness. It, it is the garments of salvation because God sees no sin. He sees the bride all dressed in white and it, it's a lovely picture because all of her sins are gone. They're all washed away. They've been removed. As far as the east is from the west, they've been cast into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. Her pardon is complete. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And this, it is all language that the Bible applies to the blessed people of God, those that God has saved, all based upon his good pleasure and nothing they had ever done or could do. It's not by works or merit. They haven't earned it or deserved it. It's all according to the grace of God. And and so she is adorned properly for her husband. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.